This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. From Kenny, put in a post up on Facebook, Romans 6 this morning, to what Mart- to the worship, that new song, to what Martin shared and to what the girls have said coming from Cherish is what I want to bring to you today, really. So... I hope I can deliver it, and you'll all go away saying, wow, it's as if she just spoke to me. That's what I'd like to hear. So, this is my key verse, and it's from Luke 12, 32. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. What a fantastic verse. See, I'm glad God didn't say, or Jesus didn't say, do not be afraid, flock. Because that would have meant an any-sized flock, wouldn't it? And I've always been part of a small flock. I'm a tiny family, part of a tiny family. We're very, very few. So the smallness doesn't leave me out of God saying, he'll give me the kingdom. The church that is small, tiny little flock here, your father is saying, not just he'll give you the kingdom, he's pleased to give you the kingdom. So I want you to bear that in mind, because that's what God is telling each and every one of us personally and corporately today. Jesus also says this before he says, do not be afraid. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added to you. And he says it after telling them, don't worry about anything. And I'll read it from the message. Now, I should have it in here, because I've been quite organised this morning for a change. Right, here we go. I'm reading from the message today, because I think most of what I'm going to say is familiar. The verses are familiar. But when you read them differently, you somehow get the whole substance of what God is saying. He says this. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? No. No? (laughs) All this time and money wasted on fashion. Do you think it makes that much difference? Absolutely. (laughs) Yes, it does. Instead of looking at the fashion, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. But you have, have you ever seen colour and design quite like it? I was looking at, I was showing the children um, a forget-me-not this week. I said, that's a forget-me-not. And just look at that tiny little flower, because they're tiny, but they are beautiful, most beautiful, beautiful little things. The ten best-dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. Meghan Markle looks shabby along the side of the flowers that God has planted. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never, ever seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. 
but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Isn't that amazing? That amazing. I love the message. I love the message. So, let's get some component. And how can I get some perspective on this subject of just really trusting God with everything, I suppose, seeking first his kingdom? So I'm going to do it through a person. We're going to look at 1 Samuel 9. And I'm going to say the whole chapter, and I'm going to read it to you. Got it? There was a Benjamite, a man of standing, whose name was Kish, son of Abiah, the son of Zerah. Oh, don't you just hate it when these words are in there? <laughs> the son of Bekorah, the son of Fire, and Benjamin. Right, we'll. Right. Kish had a son named Saul, as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel, and he was a head taller than anyone else. Now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost. And Kish said to his son, Saul, take one of the servants with you and go and look for the donkeys. And if you want a title for this, it's called, Don't Look for Donkeys When God Has Given You the Kingdom. (laughs) Right? So he passed through the hill country of Ephraim and the rough area around Shalisha, but they didn't find them. They went on into the district of Shalim, but the donkeys weren't there. Then he passed through the territory of Benjamin, but they didn't find them. When they reached the district of Zoph, Saul said to the servant who was with him, Come, let's go back, or my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about us. But the servant replied, Look in this town, there is a man of God. He's highly respected, and everything he says comes true. Let's go there now. Perhaps he'll tell us what way to take. And the man is Samuel, the prophet. So Saul said to his servant, If we again, if we go, what can we give the man? The food in our sacks is gone. We have no gift to take to the man of God. What do we have? But the servant answered him again, Look, he said, I have a quarter of a shekel of silver. I'll give it to the man of God so that he will tell us what way to take. Formerly in Israel, if someone went to inquire of God, they would say, come, let us go to the seer, because the prophet of today used to be called a seer. Good, Saul said to his servant, come, let's go. So they set out to the town where the man of God was. As they were going up the hill of the town, they met some young women coming out to draw water, and they asked them, is the seer here? He is, they answered. He's ahead of you. Hurry now. He's just come to our town today, for the people have a sacrifice at the high place. As, you, as soon as you enter the town, you will find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. The people will not begin eating until he comes, because he must bless the sacrifice afterward. Those who are invited will eat. Go up now. You should find about about this time. Right. They went up to the town as they were entering it. There was Samuel coming toward them in his way up to the high place. Now, the day before Saul came, the Lord had revealed this to Samuel. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, anoint him ruler over my people Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines, 
I have looked on my people, for their cry has reached me. When Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, This is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. Saul approached Samuel in the gateway and asked, Would you please tell me where the seer's house is? I am the seer, Samuel replied. Go up ahead of me to the high place, for today you are to eat with me. He lays a table before him in the presence of his enemies. And in the morning I will send you on your way and will tell you all that is in your heart. As for the donkeys you lost three days ago, do not worry about them. They have been found. And to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and your whole family line? All right, we leave it there. I find that incredible. Here's Saul. Just for you to know, the donkeys isn't a bad thing. Saul was obeying his father and looking after family business. Donkeys were a business. They were valuable. They were used to carry burdens. They were carry loads and they were also used to plough. So when he's going to look for these donkeys, the donkeys were important. The donkeys were really important to him. And the things that we chase sometimes are the things that are important to us, isn't it? And when we're going about our daily life, looking after things that we should be looking after, we needn't worry that God doesn't see it and won't move in to that part of our life. Saul was doing something perfectly ordinary, something he was meant to be doing. But God said, I'm going to give you the kingdom. So when we're obedient to whatever we're meant to do, when you take good care of things, God says, yeah. I'm going to give you the kingdom. So he goes on. He's doing what he's meant to be doing. But God had already spoken to somebody else about him and said, I'm going to anoint him king. I'm going to anoint, that's the man I'm going to anoint king. And the donkeys are safe. So in the midst of the mundane in the midst of the ordinary, in the midst of the tedious, in the midst of the worrying periods of our life. Please believe me, your donkeys are safe. The things that you care about, the things that you worry about, the things that cause you sleepless nights, the things that make you tired, the things that wear you out, and also the things that give you pleasure, are all taken care of. They are safe. You, I, we take care of God's business. God takes care of our business. That's how it works. I do what God wants. God does what I need. It is amazing. It is amazing. It's written in his word. It says it in his word. You have to believe it. You have to believe what the Bible tells you. Problem, we very often think, got to just check everything's safe. Saul did not go and check that the donkeys were safe. He believed what the prophet said, that the donkeys are safe. He didn't have to do a double take. He didn't have to go and see for himself. He didn't have to go and meddle. He didn't have to put his fingers in the pie and try and work it all out. They were safe. 
So, everything's safe. So, let's talk donkeys. I didn't say let's talk to donkeys. I wouldn't say that. But let's talk donkeys. I remember this from a child, but I'd forgotten. Now then. The hybrid offspring of a female horse and a male donkey, which is a jack, is called a mule. Mule. Did you know that? Well, you didn't answer me, so I'm not certain that you did. Right, now then. The hybrid offspring of a male horse and a female donkey, a jenny, is called a... No. <laughs> what did she say? What did she say? Not saying. It's called a hinny. Mm. Now then. I'm going to teach you some biology here. Now, hang on now. We're going, and I promise you we're going somewhere with this, right? Not just showing what I know about donkeys. Right. So a horse has 64 chromosomes. A donkey has 62 chromosomes. The hybrid offspring has 63 chromosomes, which renders them infertile. They are sterile. They cannot reproduce. Don't you find that fascinating? I found this absolutely fascinating. So I googled and googled about donkeys. I can tell you an awful lot about donkeys now. I know a lot. I found it fascinating. Where am I going with this? You may ask, isn't it? Right? Well, I'm saying this because we can have a hybridised faith. That's why we can have a foot in both camps faith. We can have a hedge our bets faith. We have a faith that says, well, God may say he's taking care of everything, but I'm not absolutely certain. I've got to check it out. I've got to work it out. I've got to meddle with it. I've got to make sure that it's right. It's a foot in both camps. So we have faith, but we haven't got faith in a way, isn't it? It's not really faith. Faith means trusting God. I've got a quote. Faith is not speak. And you know, I could just have read these quotes and it would have said everything I want to say, but I've got half an hour, but there we are. <laughs> I can talk. So, faith is not speaking into existence. And this is something we need to know because really, maybe we think this. Faith is not speaking into existence what we want, but believing and obeying what he wants. That's what real faith is. That's when we get unstuck, isn't it? When God says, then we go, ooh, don't know if I want to do that. Don't know if I believe that. We have all that going on. Beware of those whose faith is based on their own ideas, feelings, and what they think is right, rather than on what the Word of God says. Yeah? I could have stopped there, couldn't I? Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> Going on. Look, another two pages to go. Right. Right. And what you find out about Saul is that he started off really well. Saul started off well. He said he'd fight the Philistines. He did all that. He won a huge battle against the Philistines. And then it all starts to go downhill for him. All starts to go downhill for Saul. You see, 
You don't need blind faith, and you don't need unquestioning faith. That's stupidity, to be honest. What you need is uncompromising faith. It's the uncompromising faith that we need in order to bring the kingdom down to earth. We need uncompromising faith. So you see, when there was a giant to fight, Saul didn't have uncompromising faith. He didn't believe God would save his life. So he left that. It was a young lad called David who had to go up against the giant. You know, David had the uncompromising faith. The glory of God more important than his life. Who's this? How dare he speak to the armies of the living God like that? Saul was quite prepared to give him his armor, but he wasn't prepared to go up and fight. Saul didn't have uncompromising faith. He couldn't face the giants. And sometimes the giants scare. The giants in our life scare us, don't they? You know, the devil comes in and he sits at your table and he tells you, nothing's going to come about. Nothing you want is going to happen. Everything's going to fail. You're going to fail. It's going to fail. Nothing's coming about. There's the giant. There's the giant. It takes uncompromising faith not to fail in that moment and think, then I'd better sort it out myself. I can't trust that God. I've got to sort it out myself. But David knew God. David knew God. David said, I'll fight him. And up he goes without the armor. Uncompromising faith. And when God told Samuel, told um, uh, Saul through Samuel to go and, there had been a huge battle and, and God had come and uh, told um, Saul, Samuel rather had told Saul, you have to destroy everything that's in the city. Everything. And you know, it's, it's, it's a tough call when kids are involved in that as well, isn't it? This is where people say, woo, the Old Testament, you know, if I believe in that God. You know, it's in 1 Samuel 15, if you want to read it. Everything was for total destruction. But Saul decides, you know, what I think is more right than what God says. So I won't kill all the cattle and the sheep. I'll keep the best. So the best of the cattle were kept and we'll sacrifice them. And when Samuel comes along, he says, the Lord's taken the kingdom out of your hands because to obey is better than sacrifice. So, you know, what you think is right doesn't get you the kingdom. It's obeying what God says gets us the kingdom. Agree? Agree? And so many people, change the word, alter it a little bit. Sounds more loving. Sounds more loving. Oh, more modern. Times have changed. How often have we read that? Times have changed since the Bible. Times have changed. More expedient. Makes more sense to do it this way. Those are, nothing will come of doing it that way. I'll do it this way. That'll but do it. People pleasing. I'll alter it to please people. When we compromise, we lose the power to influence people for good and God. Once we compromise our faith, we can't be expedient. We can't alter it slightly. God's word is God's word. You stand or fall on it. If God says it, you believe it. And that's only what you do. So, you know, but sometimes we're chasing the donkeys, aren't we? I can't believe those donkeys are safe if I do it God's way. Don't chase donkeys. God's wanting to give you the kingdom. 
Do you want the kingdom? Do you want to be people who usher in the kingdom, little flock? Do we really want to be the people who have this uncompromising faith that'll say, I'll do what you say. I will do it your way and no other way, no matter what. See, initially, there may be some offspring from your compromise. Just like the hybrids. You may have that initial spirit. You may please people and you may have peace. You may have that initial growth. But the DNA is changed and there will be no subsequent growth. If you got me, what you breed out of compromise cannot grow exponentially. It dies. You will never grow your church on compromise. It has to be on God's word. So, Abraham had uncompromising faith when he obeyed God and went to sacrifice his only son. God stayed his hand and Abraham found Jehovah Jireh, the God who supplies all my needs. Sounds mad, doesn't it, to be told by God, go and sacrifice your son? It was even against the law of God. But he obeyed. Jochebed had uncompromising faith when she put her baby son into a river in a bassinet. She sent him down the river. He was found by Pharaoh's daughter. She, he was seen by his sister, and she said, I tell you what, my mother can nurse him for you. She got him back, and she nursed him. The son was Moses. Moses became the saviour of Israel in a way, in that he released them from slavery. She got her son back, and the Israelites got freedom. It took uncompromising faith for Joseph, when thrown in a pit by his brothers out of jealousy. Accused of rape and imprisoned by his employer, found in a palace with all of his dreams come true, all his dreams for the future. So, when your family's against you, when society's against you, when the whole world is against you, uncompromising faith is what will bring about the miracles. David had uncompromising faith when he slew Goliath. And when Saul was handed, into it, was handed to him, Saul had chased David for 19 years to try and kill him because he was so jealous of him. 19 years! He had to hide in caves and rocks from this man. And twice he, had the, he could have killed him. And he said, I won't touch him. I won't touch God's anointed. It's uncompromising faith to do it God's way. When, you, when um, God's glory was more important to him than anything else. Shadrach, Mishka, and Abednego, right? In the fiery furnace, when society is telling you that you, you're bonkers for believing in the God you believe in and are threatening to kill you, can you stand for God? I often think, if they put me in the middle of Llangenich town, in the centre of Llangenich, and threaten to stone me, could I stand for God? That's the reality. Happens to some Christians all over the world today, doesn't it? It's happening. It takes uncompromising faith to be put in a den with lions like Daniel and stop them out of the lions. It took uncompromising faith not to eat at the, at the king's table the food that he'd given them. Uncompromising faith that says, if my family's against me, if society's against me, if authority's against me, if the governance against me, I'm going to do it God's way. 
That's what brings about the kingdom. Paul and Silas in a prison cell, wrongly accused, singing praises to God, and the miracle happens. Well, many were saved. Uncompromising faith. Miracles follow this kind of faith. So, God take care of them. God will take care of you. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do we believe that we can get our dreams come true if we're uncompromising in our faith? Do you believe that everything you think God has for you can be yours through uncompromising faith? Do you believe that your family and society can be changed through uncompromising faith? That's the call on the church. And I'm sorry to say, I don't want to make a negative point, but I have to. I think we've lost it a bit because we've compromised with the world. We're so afraid of the world, we've allowed it too far into the church. And our opinions sometimes have become more important than God's word. Our well-classed, educated opinions on what people need to know alters the gospel. And there's no power in it. Has this gone off? No. There's no power in that. There's power in the word of God. The two-edged sword that cuts, dividing between bone and marrow, judging the thoughts and intentions of the hearts. And it has to be the word of God, not man's opinion of what the word of God is. Right? Rant over. (laughs) Rant over. There we go. But can you see that if we want what they had, we have to be what they were. And we have to be people of uncompromising faith. Now, who believe God in the midst of everything. And it's not just believing him, it is saying, all right, I'll do it your way. And if that means knocking out and get drunk if you're young so that you can get a girlfriend or fit in with your friends, that's what it takes. And if it means not, not cheating anybody money because that you are broke, that's what it takes. It, it means all these small things in our lives. And if you're in trouble today, if you've got problems today, if you've got issues today, and most of us have, then know God's got it covered. Trust him uncompromisingly to look after you. In Jesus' name, amen. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.